Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today's show, we have Jalak Javanputra. She is an investor and entrepreneur. This is Technotopia. A quick question for you freelancers out there. If you could reclaim up to 192 hours a year of your precious time, would you? If you're doing the math, 192 hours of work is two working days per month. See, our friends at FreshBooks make ridiculously easy-to-use cloud accounting software for freelancers. And they're the architects behind this question, and for good reason. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 5 million people to deal with their paperwork. That's not enough incentive. The FreshBooks platform has been rebuilt from the ground up. They've taken simplicity and speed to an entirely new level and added powerful new features. When tax time does roll around, you'll find tidy summaries of your expense reports, your invoice details, your sales tax summaries, and a lot more. If you're a freelancer listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, now would be the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com tech and enter Technotopia in the how did you hear about us section. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Jalak Putra. She's founder of Future Perfect Ventures, a avid investor, and uh, and you're also into blockchain now, right? Yes, I am. Uh, not just now, over the last five years. Well, no, well <laughs> five, five years is a is a. I mean, oh, and I guess that is like that's like fifty years in blockchain years, right? That's true. At least fifty years. Sometimes it feels like a hundred. My favorite is I get these uh, entrepreneurs who say that they've been in blockchain since like 2015. That, that as if they had been a uh, if they had been there at the creation, it's a uh, it's fascinating. Yes, and I, I don't uh, claim to have been there at, at the creation, but I went to my first Bitcoin conference in 2013 and um, got the same goosebumps I did when I first logged on to the internet. So I knew that uh, the fund needed to focus on that, and in some capacity, ended up being a large part of our first fund. So let's talk about that a little bit. What is it about blockchain uh, that you think is so familiar uh, and also so innovative? Well, if you look at what's happened over the last 10 years, uh, since basically smartphones uh, came onto the scene, we've seen an explosion of of data that's been uh, created, that's being transmitted uh, over the internet. Um, And I looked at what was ahead as the next 3 billion people come online and we have more and more smartphones uh, being used around the world. I mean, until very recently, it was primarily in the developed world. But now that the smartphone prices have come down, they're more accessible to a broader swath of the world. Uh, So that was going to create a lot more data, a lot more uh, connectivity issues, as well as security issues around the data. Now, you take that and then you add on the fact that we now have billions of sensors uh, on cars, on street lamps, you know, all over uh, and in smart homes. And uh, the machine to machine communication mm-hmm. was also going to have to be secure, um, instantaneous. And, um, and I felt like the Internet wasn't really on its own going to be able to handle this data deluge. And 
uh, after digging into blockchain technology, after going to that first Bitcoin conference um, and understanding more around, you know, how the blockchain itself works in terms of the security of the data, I just became fascinated on how this could be the underpinning of, of this kind of hyper-connected global uh, world and, and also how we can keep our data more secure. Okay. So, I mean, I think there's... What at what stage are we in in terms of the uh, in terms of the cycle? Is this uh, is this us logging into I don't know a a putty terminal through a putty terminal into a uh, into a um, an Elm instance where we're basically checking our email and maybe maybe visiting some other websites? Or is this a little further on? Are we in like uh, are we in two thousand? Are we in nineteen ninety eight? Are we in ninety five? Or are we twenty fifteen in terms of blockchain? <laughs> Well, my uh, answer seems to change by the day, but I pretty consistently, um, you know, I go back to, I do think we're in uh, about 1993, 1994 oh, wow. okay. um, internet. Um, we are still extremely early. I mean, there's a lot of hype out there, especially uh, in the last year, I mean, I, I can tell you back in 2013 when I started investing in the space, uh, there was very little talk about blockchain. If if any talk about blockchain, there was some talk about Bitcoin and obviously the Mt. Gox um, and Silk Road scandals and, and all the lost Bitcoin there. Um, so there, there's been a lot of hype. Um, and, and so often I, I think the uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves in, in terms of thinking, you know, where the technology actually is. There are certainly lots of uh, proof of concepts happening with large enterprises um, and uh, IBM, uh, Walmart, uh, a lot of big names. Um, but there's been very little like production. And, and that's just because we're talking about you know, ripping out old systems and replacing them with this more decentralized infrastructure. So that's going to take some time. Now, in terms of consumer uh, usage, we're not seeing anything other than really you know, the, the run up in cryptocurrency. Uh, but I think that's going to change just like we didn't start using e-commerce right away and, and we didn't start buying, you know, kind of everything imaginable online in, in 1995, you know, we started with with books and, and then moved on to other items. And, and so I think that's what we're going to see. Now, I do think this evolution is going to happen much quicker um, just because we have so much talent from all around the world and not just, you know, one region focused on this. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited by what, what I'm seeing. And, and I think it's, it's going to continue to accelerate. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting point. So let's talk a little bit about uh, innovation outside of uh, the U.S. I, a few of the podcasts have talked about that very specifically, that the, that the innovation engine of the U.S. is dying down. So in 10, 20 years, we're going to see something completely different. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, I'm a little biased there because I was born in Nairobi um, and am of Indian origin. So when we moved to the United States when I was young, I, I went back to India and Africa you know, in the early 80s when uh, these were uh, very undeveloped markets. Mm -hmm. And um, now I actually invest in those markets as well as many other around the world. And I've always been a believer from those early experiences that talent resides everywhere. And it's really the opportunities that we've had in countries like the United States for education, for connectivity, um, for you know, 
moving beyond like agriculture and you know not having to work in the fields that uh, has enabled us to uh, succeed. And what we've seen in the last 10, 20 years in places like China and India and Latin America, uh, Southeast Asia, uh, all over the world, there's been a lot of development. A lot of it has been spurred by technology. Mm -hmm. um, I remember going to Kenya in, in 2000 uh, and Eight, I believe, or 2009, and, and first seeing M-Pesa, which is the mobile money system mm -hmm. there. And we had nothing close to it at the time. We still really don't in, in the United States. And um, they were using you know, their, their very basic feature phones, but they were able to uh, have functionality that we didn't have here. And that whole concept of leapfrogging is, has Kind of continued uh, as as more and more people get educated, get to the middle class, and and start innovating on their own. And and so you know, while I wouldn't say innovation in the United States is dead, I, I can see other uh, innovating quicker for real world problems because they're actually the ones on the ground and now have all the tools to to build companies in these spaces. So for me, it's really important to build the bridge of um, you know, all the talent and experience that resides here with the on the ground kind of um, innovation and, and uh, creativity that exists in these markets to kind of solve the problems and, and challenges that we all have. So that's an interesting point. What you're basically saying is that a, a few small structural changes to a society are all, is all it takes to, to essentially leapfrog um, a number of technologies like we in the States got kind of a boost. Uh, we were essentially agrarian until World War II, and we got the boost uh, of technology uh, around the Cold War. So that gave us a massive head start. But as, as I, I noticed the same thing in Central Europe. I noticed the same thing in, uh, in um, Eastern Europe. So I think the exact same thing is happening. After you get, to, after you get away from the problem of trying to figure out how to put bread on shelves, uh, you can finally figure out how to send money via mobile phones. Right. And the the reality on the ground in a lot of these places is that they're not institutions like we have, um, you know, banks. Um, uh, there are over two billion people around the world that are uh, unbanked completely uh, who don't have access to financial services and savings accounts. And and mobile money help bridge that uh, by by offering the, the ability to transfer money without bank accounts. Now, um, a lot of services are now being built on top of that. And then if you look at something like Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, where you can transfer value across borders with very low friction and very low costs, that frees up um, a lot of you know, GDP that, that's kind of locked up right now uh, in, in the form of human capital, in the form of services uh, that people can't take advantage of. So um, just as, as an example, I invested in a company called uh, BitPesa in uh, 2014, and they've become the default um, Bitcoin uh, blockchain platform in Africa. They're, they mm -hmm. started off in Kenya and they're now in 17 countries. And a lot of their transactions are B2B 
where a small business uh, from in Kenya may be dealing with a supplier in, in Nigeria or a Nigerian um, business dealing with a uh, supplier in uh, China. And right now, it can cost up to 20% of a uh, transaction um, uh, in, in just banking fees because there's, and, and FX fees because there's so many conversions of currencies that need to happen behind the scenes. If you just take one, one exchange uh, fiat to Bitcoin that, and, and create a more instantaneous um, uh, means of transfer that, that uh, allows the money to reach its destination much quicker um, and, and also in a, in a secure way and with much lower fees. So uh, I believe that this technology can be even more transformational mm-hmm. than the internet and mobile was in, in a lot of these markets. Interesting. So I always ask this question, what, uh, but I'll, we'll mix it up a little bit. What does the blockchain look like in 20 years? Uh, do we see it? Do we not see it? Is it part of our lives? Do we not understand how it's part of our lives? I believe it's going to be uh, fairly invisible to our lives. I mean, those of us that live in a pre-blockchain world will certainly notice differences, just as I notice differences um, from you know before the internet was around and, and before uh, mobile platforms were around. Uh, so we'll definitely see more efficiencies. Um, I, I believe we'll see new business models emerge, just like Uber uh, was built on mobile uh, and, and couldn't have existed before mobile uh, was more ubiquitous. Uh, we'll see new business models and companies emerge that take advantage of the unique unique characteristics of what blockchain technology, but just like the average person doesn't know how the internet works. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I don't think it's going to be relevant how, how blockchain technology works. It's just going to make transactions uh, more seamless, frictionless, and our data more secure. And then let's go a little further. What do, what does the developing world look like? I mean, what is, we're, I like to go, I like to go pretty broad here. Um, so given all the issues with clean water, um, global warming, et cetera, does the developing world fix that for itself? Um, what, is, what does Nairobi look like in 20 years? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, if I, sorry if I went a little Arthur C. Clarke on you. I don't want to... <laughs> No, it's uh, this is something I, I think about, and and what's really exciting is that you know uh, the, the answer is we don't know, okay. and and technology in itself cannot solve all the world's problems, right? We need to use technology as an enabler, um, and and if you look at you know a lot of countries around the world, uh, they may have a lot of corruption in their governments. They um, they don't have freedom of speech. They um, and 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 so there are elements of, of this technology that can address uh, th- those those issues. Um, there, there are a number of protocols that are emerging on the blockchain that can actually allow for kind of uh, you know VPNs and offline browsing. So um, you know government can't really shut down its citizens' access uh, to information. Um, there's companies that are creating 
and if you start thinking about the sharing economy and what's been achievable through the sharing economy, um, through, you know, ride sharing um, and, and Airbnb, you start to think that you actually can go straight, you know, peer to peer without having an intermediary that uh, is collecting fees and kind of just deciding, curating who gets on a platform, but, but, you know, we as individuals can decide, um, you know, who we want to do business with and they're authenticated and their data, we can automatically trust them because they've been, they've been authenticated on, um, on this highly secure network. Um, I, I think the world is going to look very different, mm-hmm. um, you know, where, and, and, and however, we still have to address geopolitical challenges and all of that. I mean, I think every time we're seeing it in China now, where they just shut down uh, all cryptocurrency exchanges in response to the fact that they were seeing a lot of uh, capital move out of the country and they have um, uh, capital controls in place. Mm-hmm. And, and so they wanted to get a, more of a hold on, on what was happening with these uh, crypto exchanges. And, and so governments will try to shut down technology, uh, but we, we're still seeing the overall global growth of this. Um, we, we just have to uh, make sure that uh, the technology gets out there in a responsible way, that we're working with regulators and, and governments so it's not completely shut down. So that's why it's hard to predict exactly you know, what's going to happen in 20 years. But um, I believe in, in supporting the entrepreneurs who, who see you know, a more connected, secure a uh, freer world uh, where every individual is is kind of allowed to reach their full potential, and and that's what's exciting to me about this technology. Okay. Yeah, I respect your uh, refusal to say that there's going to be flying cars everywhere and uh, <sighs> robots are going to carry us around from <laughs> from. Well, I, I I grew up watching the jet. Okay. <laughs> we still we still don't have you know the housekeeper robots i i would like one but right. uh I'm, I'm still waiting for that to happen in these last few minutes what do you think about the uh this ico slash token sale thing uh is this uh how how, how long is it going to take before this thing tips over and then tips back up again well we have seen in 2018 a um uh, I'd say an overall softening of, of the 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 market in terms of the number of ICOs that are coming to market. We've seen more regulation uh, from jurisdictions all over the world. So South Korea uh, is, is is has been now mandating uh, KYC registration and and making sure they know who's trading on these exchanges. So. A lot of that has dampened the the frenzy that we saw in 2017. Um, I still believe uh, there's a role for tokens. I'm very excited about a world where we can, you know, tokenize um, physical assets, digital assets, our own data, um, and and um, be able to have control over what we're sharing uh, with different entities and and can be authenticated Mm -hmm. by different entities. However, you know, it's going to take a long time to get to that world. And and we do have to weed out bad actors. I mean, there's been a lot of fraud 
that in, in the market. And um, I'd love to see the industry self-regulate. And, and I think overall regulators, with the exception of you know, China, have been, have been fairly hands-off. Um, but uh, we're definitely seeing the market uh, start to mature and evolve. So 2018 is, is going to be crucial to, to see um, you know, if, if we can get the bad actors out and start realizing the full potential of, of tokenization. Mm-hmm. And if you, had a, uh, if you had an ideal company that you wanted to invest in, what's your, what's your current investment thesis, I guess? Well, with our first fund, we, we were very excited about blockchain at the intersection of other emerging technologies such as AI and Internet of Things and, and marketplaces. And um, we were very early in the market with that thesis. And I, I think the time is getting more and more uh, to be ripe for for the intersection of these different areas. So, I mean, an example, uh, if you look at the possibility of creating solar micro grids around the world where you know, electricity is, is intermittent and, and not reliable, um, if, if you have one solar panel that's kind of collecting um, uh, data on, on uh, where the electricity is going within a grid and then a smart contract is automatically debiting accounts of the people that are using that electricity in real time, um, that, that opens up, um, you know, why someone would own um, a solar panel and, and be able to be compensated for making that investment. And, and we could have more efficient distribution and no, you know, leakage of, of, um, of what's really happening within that grid. So, mm-hmm. Um, so, so that intersection is is really interesting. I'm very excited about self sovereign identity. I invested in a few companies out of the first fund, um, including Civic, uh, which are kind of building blockchain based identity systems where you can actually own your identity uh, and pieces of of your data, and and you have third party authenticators. Uh, and once they've authenticated that data, you can then um, uh, you know, if you want to open a bank account, you just provide the information that they need. They can trust it, uh, and you know, but they don't necessarily uh, have to hold on to that data um, and and store it on a central server that you know, like they do now, and 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 those servers get hacked. Uh, where so you can have portability of data, you can own it, and then you're not creating a situation where it's susceptible to to hacking and and being sold on the dark web. All right, very cool. Uh, so you're over at, so you're over at Future Perfect Ventures now, so people can just, uh, reach out for you if, and you're going to give them millions of dollars? <laughs> well, I would love to give them millions of dollars. <laughs> I, um, I, I'm very excited about the caliber of entrepreneurs that are approaching me and, uh, yes, we're, we're fully open for business for, uh, the entrepreneurs that are looking to change the world with this new technology. All right, beautiful. This is uh, this has been this has been great. I like the uh, I, I like to hear uh, I like to hear multiple sources saying essentially the same thing, which basically says that uh, we might be on the right track in terms of this whole future uh, future predicting nonsense that I'm trying to do here. <laughs> well, we can only try. <laughs> All right. This has been Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next week. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. 
Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com